This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. The strange but true stories featured on this podcast contain details some people may find unsettling. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Chaya Samuel and things are about to get weird. Hello, hello, welcome to episode 5 of Weird Fix, and of course, Happy New Year as well. This is our first instalment of the podcast for 2024, the first of many more to come, and I'm genuinely so excited for everything that's in store for the show this year. I hope you all had a lovely festive season and are feeling good and excited for the year ahead. In the spirit of getting things started for the new year, I'm not going to dilly-dally about, I have some fascinating stories for you in today's mini episode, so let's jump right on into it. First up, we have an interesting tale that links back to our episode about Richard Lansling Green, inasmuch as it relates to a certain famous literary figure, Sherlock Holmes. Now, the Sherlock Holmes stories aren't necessarily something you'd normally associate with the city of Manchester. Most people would immediately think of London and his Baker Street address. But what if I told you that this legendary detective could very well have been based on a Mancunian police officer? Allow me to introduce you to Jerome Caminada. He was born in 1844 in the Deansgate area to his Irish mother and Italian father, and first became a police officer in 1868. Now, whilst Deansgate is a pretty upmarket area of the city today, back in the Victorian period, it was very much the opposite. It was a huge crime hotspot and Jerome knew it like the back of his hand. This familiarity with the criminal activity in the city at the time put him in a unique position as a law enforcer because he had this understanding of both sides of the coin and had developed a massive network of informants. Jerome began to move up the ranks, being promoted to sergeant around four years after joining the force. By 1897, he had become Manchester's first ever CID superintendent, and by this point, his reputation had been cemented. He was a -a one-of-a-kind detective, using completely unorthodox methods and eccentric techniques to catch perpetrators. And some of the stories about his work are wild. It's said that he would often disguise himself to infiltrate criminal organisations, probably due to the fact that he was so well known in the city, so those disguises must have been quite something. On one occasion, it's thought that Jerome hid inside a grand piano and waited to catch a librarian in the act of stealing sheet music at the Free Trade Hall, kind of like human CCTV. Many consider his most famous case to be that of the Manchester cab murder. In 1889, a wealthy businessman named John Fletcher was found slumped in the seat of the horse-drawn cab he had been seen hailing just an hour before. There were no signs of violence and the driver was nowhere to be seen, although someone had been spotted fleeing the location. 
everyone was mystified and Jerome Caminada was called in to try and work out what on earth had happened. It took him just three weeks to not only figure out exactly what had killed John, but also who had killed him. Firstly, he concluded that John had been poisoned with chloral hydrate, and in true Sherlock style, he honed in on the detail of this exact substance to track down the killer. He discovered that a batch of the poison had recently been stolen from a druggist in Liverpool, so he set about working out who would have a need for it in Manchester. At the time, it was used by underground fighting rings by boxers who wanted to subdue their opponents. Jerome was able to cross-reference the limited suspect descriptions he had with those he knew were involved in the boxing scene, and he landed on 18-year-old Charlie Parton. Although both the court and the defendant thought it was going to be an open and shut case as there was no real evidence, Jerome stormed in at the 11th hour and dramatically produced an eyewitness. This witness said they had seen Charlie Parton pour the poison into John Fletcher's drink the night he died, and this turned the trial on its head. Parton was found guilty of murder, all before those three weeks were up. This incredibly quick work earned Jerome nationwide acclaim, and not long after, a certain fictional, unorthodox, eccentric detective also made his entrance into the mainstream. The historian Angela Buckley is one of those who truly believes that Sir Arthur Conan Doyle based Sherlock Holmes on Manchester's very own Jerome Caminada. She gave an interview to The Telegraph where she said, quote, Caminada became a national figure at just the time that Sherlock Holmes was being created. There are so many parallels that it is clear Doyle was using parts of this real character for his. But that's not all. Jerome passed away in 1914 at the age of 69 years old, which is the very same year that the last Sherlock Holmes novel was published. Coincidence? I mean, it would be quite the tribute for Arthur Conan Doyle to have stopped publishing the novels once his apparent influence died, but who knows, I guess it's possible. Jerome was buried at Southern Cemetery, which is a fascinating place all in itself if you've never been. There are many Manchester legends buried there, including John Rylands of the John Rylands Library on Deansgate, and of course, the Angel of the Meadow, who I told you about back in episode 11. In total, Jerome is thought to have helped imprison over 1,200 criminals, and regardless of whether he truly was the inspiration behind Conan Doyle's detective, he'll forever be regarded as Manchester's Sherlock Holmes. Next, I have an update for you on one of our previous Weird Fix stories. Back in our second mini-episode, I told you all about the apparently cursed painting of the little girl that was bought from a charity shop in East Sussex, but was returned twice after its new owners started experiencing unsettling things in their houses. Well, as you may remember, it was eventually given a new home by the owners of the London Bridge Experience attraction, and I noted in that episode that some odd occurrences had already begun to plague them. 
lights flashing, the Wi-Fi failing, and even an eerie figure being sighted in the building, as well as some strange incidents involving water, like it dripping creepily down the face of the girl in the painting. Well, we now have some more happenings to add to that list. In a new interview with the Metro newspaper, James Kislingbury, who bought the haunted artwork for the attraction, revealed that since it was hung up in their reception area for Halloween, the building has flooded twice, once in November and once in December. He also spoke about how he took the painting back to his own home for a night in October as he was doing interviews about it, and was met with more bad luck that very same day, including appliances malfunctioning and his father-in-law becoming ill. James actually decided to have a medium take a look at the portrait in November to see if any further light could be shed on its history, and she told them something very disturbing indeed. He told the newspaper, quote, We heard all sorts of funny noises during the reading. Even the medium was quite puzzled, but she picked up on a variety of things. She believes the female subject was more than likely painted after she died, and that it was painted by a spiritualist. She also pointed towards a building linked to the painting in Eastbourne, which is now a hotel. I found that really creepy when I read it, almost as though the painting is of a ghost, I guess. Very weird. Despite all of this, James insists that the painting will remain at the London Bridge experience, and he hopes that it will eventually settle and become happy there. I will absolutely continue to keep an eye out for any further updates on this story, it's really captivated me. All I can say is that James and his team are definitely much braver than I am. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. And finally, if you love a good cup of tea like I do, here's a weird little fact for you. Did you know that the weather can impact how your brew tastes? I'm not talking about it tasting more refreshing in the summer or more comforting in the winter. This phenomenon is all linked to atmospheric pressure. Back in November of last year, when Storm Kieran was battering the UK, there must have been enough people complaining that their cuppers tasted strange for the weather team at ITV to look into the matter. And here's how they explained what was happening. To make a great brew, you obviously need boiling water, but with a storm comes an area of low atmospheric pressure. When this pressure is low, the boiling temperature of water actually decreases. This is because it's easier for the water to turn from a liquid into a gas. When the water you make a cup of tea with is cooler, the overall flavour of the tea becomes less intense, and in the case of Storm Kieran, water was boiling at around 98.3 degrees Celsius, instead of the usual 100. Obviously, it's a very small change, but tea connoisseurs could clearly taste the difference. 
Is anyone else suddenly craving a nice bit of shortbread and a cup of Earl Grey? I'm off to put the kettle on. But not before the outro, of course. Thank you so much for joining me today for episode 5 of Weird Fix. I hope you found these stories interesting. Some super quick sore shoutouts. There was a Manchester Evening News piece from November 2017 by John Shearhout all about Jerome Caminada, as well as that Telegraph piece from March 2014 by Jasper Copping. The Metro article giving the updates on the cursed painting was by William Matter from December the 31st, 2023. Finally, we had an ITV News article by Martin Stew all about that strange weather and tea connection. If you'd like to get in touch or share any story suggestions for our future episodes, you can find us on Instagram at Things Get Weird Podcast, on Facebook by searching for Things Are About To Get Weird, or you can pop me an email at thingsgetweirdpodcast at gmail.com. As always, if you've enjoyed this episode, a quick rating or review wherever you listen is always much appreciated. I'll be back next Wednesday with a full episode, episode 50, which will focus on one of our most highly requested stories of all time. So, until next time, take care of yourself and others and keep it weird, but the good kind of weird. 